Alright, three, two, one. How's it going everybody and welcome back to Nerd Stuff with Ian 2.0 podcast. And as always, I'm your host Ian. And today's episode, as you guys have already read the title, we're going to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Last Ronin. Written by Peter, or Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. And then story done by Tom Waltz, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. So this is the... F- this story was originally created by Kevin Smith and Peter Laird back in the 90s, like very early 90s, back when they were still with Mirage Comics, and kind of, well, kind of when they're still like their very early infancy days, they had this idea, they just never went forward with it. They are like, eh, we have the idea, we'll just push it back for something else. So... It was, it was a story that they always knew they wanted to tell. They just never had the right time for it. And to me, I think that the fact that they waited 30 years, plus you finally got the return of Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird together, which after a lot of drama that happened between the two of them, just everything that kind of went on, I'm just glad to see they're both back on you know, good terms with each other, and they're actually able to, for the most part, actually do a great story. And I guess to kind of, th- well, I'll give the brief synopsis of what's going on. So, this story takes place years into the future. It doesn't really give you time frame of when it happens, but it is years into the future. And the story starts off with, you just see one Ninja Turtle with like a black mat, with like a black bandana over his eyes, and then like all black with each of the turtle's weapons from like, from like one of Leonardo's katanas, to Dante's bow staff, to one of Raphael's size, to one of Michelangelo's nunchucks, to like multiple different weapons. And he's talking to him, or he's more or less just... He's talking. He's like, you know, he's like, I gotta go through this this sludge that surrounds the city. I need to get into the city. I need to, I need to get revenge. I need to seek vengeance. And he's hearing other people talk to him. And what you can infer about it is that it's the other three brothers because it's only one turtle left. And they, you, you get that vibe from it, from the title, The Last Ronin. You don't know which turtle it is. You just know that it's one turtle left, and he more or less is on a suicide mission. He's going to invade New York that's been sectioned off. And you see just how the world changed. You see where, you know, how it is. It's, it's like a totally different world all in itself and how it was before and how it is now you know definitely you can tell that Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird definitely pulled from Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns as well as you know great future movies like uh like oh my god I'm blanking on the on uh like Blade Runner like they definitely pull a lot from like future sci-fi movies and like post-apocalyptic kind of just the villain wins concept that the heroes got to come back 
And the one turtle we're just going to call the Ronin. He's going around. He's trying to sneak through. But it just doesn't work out. He sees him. And he's able to get through a lot of what's going on. They're able to get through a past good amount of defenses. He's just as skilled. Maybe not as fast as he was. But definitely it shows you the level of skill and ability he does have still. And... I mean, he, the Ronin's just going for it. He did. He does try to avoid the cameras, but he is soon caught, and he has to deal with some security. And, I mean, he easily kind of dispatches them pretty easily. And he's like, I have one objective. I need to get to this main building. I'm going to take this guy out. And that's his only objective. And that's it. I mean, he he's going through it. You're seeing, you know... Classic bring-ups of, you know, new foot soldiers that are now more, that are more cyborgs, because before they were human, which is, to me, kind of like a throwback to the 80s cartoon, where the, where the foot soldiers were more robot, were robots rather than humans in comparison to the regular comic book. And I thought that was a nice, you know, homage to just kind of the 80s cartoon meeting it. And kind of giving you guys the same feel of like if you read the original comic book or if you've just been a big fan of how it originally was. It gave you a good mixture of both into one. And I think that cyborgs being foot soldiers just made sense. And of course the Rona, he's he's going through, he, he's making his way. And you get small subtle references to like... Casey Jones, you see, you see Mousers from Baxter Stockman. You're seeing a lot of stuff that if you're a big TMNT fan, you're seeing a lot of references and Easter eggs that make you excited because the story, it's, it's pulling from classic TMNT and you can tell they're, they're giving fan service, but at the same time with this story. They're in a lot of ways giving you guys a solid story. And I think that's the one thing that I give Last Ronin a lot of props about. So, as Last Ronin keeps going, as the Ronin keeps going, he finally makes it up to where he's at, to the head guy. The guy he's trying to kill off, which is essentially Shredder's grandson, which is the bastard son of Karai. Who, Karai, for most people, if you don't know, she is more or less... The daughter of Shredder. And she was the heir apparent. Or the apparent heir. To be the leader of the foot. Now if you watched the 2003 cartoon. Or you read the comic books. You know more about her. You didn't really see her in the original cartoon. If like that was like your only real exposure to it. Then you would have never would have seen her. But she's been a very. Very pivotal and powerful part. Of the Shredder. And to. Roy the team in T mythos. So you're dealing with Shredder's grandson, and he and the only thing he can say is, "I thought I killed the last of you mutant turtles." And the Ronin just tries to charge him, but it just he's getting overwhelmed by odds. There's just nothing he can do. He ends up just getting just launched out the window. You know, he he more or less fails his first mission. You know, he, he goes through how he survives. And with the help of a couple of normal people, he manages to get away. 
but he feels defeated. He feels like he failed. He failed his brothers. You still don't know who it is, and I won't spoil it. I won't talk about it until they release issue two, is when it gets brought up. Or, you know at the end of issue one, but I won't talk about it until issue two officially drops. So, of course, Ronan unarmors himself when he gets back to the lair, and he goes, I, I failed. I'm, I'm going to commit Sibiku, because he, he failed. His brothers died. He was not able to get vengeance on Shred's grandson that pretty much killed his brothers. He's, he's the last one. But he's also suffering from a lot of blood loss. Because, I mean, that he took a giant fall and survived. But he was, he's was he been roughed up. I mean, he went through hell and back. And he he's just ready to go. But he passes out before he can do anything. Lucky enough, he's found by the Jones girl who he actually had stolen a motorcycle from at the beginning of the story, which I didn't bring up. But he used that as more of a distraction. He goes, well, this is how I have to get through because it's like there's no point in me trying to be subtle. I'm just going to go through hard and fast. And that was kind of one of his bigger mistakes. And the girl they call Jones, you don't know if she's the... you. You kind of, you assume she's the daughter of Casey Jones, but you don't really know. Because they don't really give you too much, but you can infer it as. Which is why I'm going to infer it as. I potentially think she is. We know at least she's the daughter of Casey Jones. We just don't know if she's the daughter of Casey Jones and April, or Casey Jones and someone else. And then, at the end of it, the last Ronan wakes up, or the Ronan wakes up, and he's in a hospital bed. And he sees April. Now mind you, this whole time, Ronan's been hearing the voices of his brothers. And they've been talking to him. And to keep this in mind, none of the four, you never see their color, their bandana. They never show their weapons, anything. They're just plain. So you don't know who it is throughout the whole story. And I thought that was just great to keep up. For all of them, because I thought that, to me, I think it, it helped the story out. And I think that it made it more impactful. And I think that, to me, that I think did really well at giving the reader a chance to be like, oh, I, I think it's Raph, I think it's Mikey, I think it's Donnie, I think it's Leo. Like, you're taking shots in art because you don't know who it really could be. And... Each of the instances throughout the story, you think it could be somebody different of the four. And I guess to bring it back, at the end of the story, you just see Ronan, he's in the hospital bed, and April O'Neil walks in. And she starts talking to him. And she asks, who are you talking to? And she says his, says the Ronan's name. And I'm not going to say it, because it's, to me... Read this issue. If you've never been a big TMNT fan, if you've, or if you've been a big TMNT fan, you just really just watched the cartoons or anything like that, and you've never read any of the comic books, The Last Ronin is definitely worth picking up. It is just that good. And just to 
Because that, that's kind of more or less the end in the synopsis of this story. That kind of more or less went through the majority of what the first issue is. There's still a lot that goes on in it. Now, I will say the issues are about like nine bucks a pop, but you're getting great quality like book paper along with binding. So it evens out. And they're they're thick books. And the artwork in it is fantastic. Like to me, you can tell that the writing is on point because Tom Waltz has done an amazing job with, with the IDW TMNT when he rebooted when he got reboot help from Kevin Eastman in 2011. They've kept it consistent and TMNT stayed very stayed very good with their stories. And I think that The Last Rona is just a great story that's been waiting 30 years to be told. And the fact that Peter Laird is back, I think it really helps to really and truly give, you know, hope to a lot of fans that you're like, this could be, you know, this could be potentially a sequel to the 90s movies if you really want to look at it, or however you kind of want to look at it. No, I always, or it's just realistically, it's the ending sequel to the original Mirage comics that I think a lot of people, original TMNT run by Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman was supposed to be. You can look at it that way. It's a lot of different things you can look at it. And personally, I'm going to call it early. I think that this story would be an amazing one to put in movie form. And I think that the reason for it is just... I think TMNT fans would love it. I think that they would really and truly, if this was put on screen, if this was like, let's say this was a sequel to the original 90s trilogy, which has been talked about, I mean, this would be nuts. Like, people would have a lot of questions, but you could fill in the gaps with it. You can fill it in with backstory, anything. And I think that they would do really well with it. But just to kind of rein it all back in to kind of give my final thoughts. I think that the time and wait we've had on the last Ronin, I think it was worth it. I will give it a perfect 10 out of 10 score, not because I'm just a big team of T fan and not that I think that the trope of like post-apocalyptic stories if written well does amazingly. But I, I give it that because I think that it's just overall a very well-crafted story that is a love letter to TMNT fans, young and old. And it's just a good story that you, at the end of the day, whether you're a TMNT fan or not, read it. And on top of that, the artwork's amazing. Kevin Eastman did lay down some, like, storyboards and like design work this way the next artist could come over there and do all that so it's literally being done very well and the artwork is being made look amazing on top of that the outfit the last ronin wears just looks amazing and the fact that you have in a lot of ways just to me i think that the fact that you you have one turtle left 
and the whole time he's hearing voices from his brothers, it kind of just sets the tone of how the story's supposed to go. And how bleak it can truly be that there's potential that they have to find hope somewhere. And I think that that to me just shows, at least to me, I'm excited for issue two. Now, I will say, unfortunately, IDW with the book, it's going to be a bi-monthly book. So, to give context means that month that book's going to come out every two months instead of every month. So, they were supposed to have one that comes out in November. And then they were supposed to have one that comes out in December. But I think the next issue, issue 2, doesn't come out until January, apparently. Which, I mean, that sucks for fans. But I think that looking at it, if I look at it in the same way I gave Doomsday Clock. And just how well crafted that story was. And how well crafted the story's been up to this point. I think that they can... If they take it seriously, I think that they can really give us a great story that I think fans are going to want. And I think people will pay their hard-earned money for it. I don't think people are going to complain about paying 9 bucks an issue if you give a great story. And if issue 1 is any indicator of how good of a story they're going to give us, then in my opinion, you've got me sold. Just saying. Now, the other big controversy that did come up from this book was... IDW didn't, they, they preset how many issues they were going to do based off pre-orders and everything like that. And they underprinted for the first, like, first printings. So if you're trying to get the book, they are releasing second printings of the book on December, I think it's December 2nd or 3rd, is when the second printing of that first issue is coming out. And it's going to have a couple more covers, so... If you miss out on the first like run of it and you're like, oh man, I, 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 I couldn't find my book. You know, my local comic book shop didn't have it. Because a lot of comic book shops got shorted. This will give you your chance to pick it up physically and read the issue. Whether you read it physically or digitally. Digitally, you can find it anytime. Physically, you're going to have to wait till about December 2nd or 3rd to get the second printing if you didn't get the first. I got lucky. I went to my local comic book shop the same week it dropped. And I found a couple left. Now it's like, nope, I'm grabbing that. I'm not playing games. And the fiance looked at me and she was like, how much are you paying for that book? I was like, nine bucks. She's like, okay. Because <laughs> I'm like, this. if I had only had to get one issue from the comic book shop, that would have been it. So, yeah, with that being said, I, I highly recommend The Last Ronin. So, uh, I guess, without for, yes, there's really not a lot less I gotta talk about. So, uh, as always, you guys can always find me on Comics Amino. You guys can always find me on Twitter. You can always find me on Facebook. And, uh, you guys can always email me at nerdstuffwithian at gmail.com. Or you guys can always listen to the podcast, whether it's on Spotify, Anchor, wherever you find your podcast. So, with that being said, uh, have a great day and later.